Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Maddie. And I'm your co-host, Andrew. Today, we're talking about a topic that's been on everyone's mind lately, artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's fascinating topic that's both terrifying and exciting, and we're going to deep dive into it today. But before we get started, let's set the scene. Imagine a dark, abandoned lab with flickering lights and eerie noises in the background. It's the perfect setting for a horror story about artificial intelligence. Are you ready to be scared, Andrew? I'm always ready, Maddie. Let's do this. And we're off. Today, we're going to explore the darker side of artificial intelligence and the ways it could potentially turn against us. So grab your popcorn and get ready to be scared, because this is going to be one wild ride. Let's begin our journey into the unknown world of AI. But before we start, let's remind our listeners that this is a work of fiction, and Emmy similarities to reality are purely coincidental. And we are not responsible for any nightmares you might have after listening to our episode. Let's begin. It's episode 90. Artificial intelligence is terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. To save America, stop socialism and stop China. From life to death, Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you gonna go? Where are you gonna run? Where are you gonna hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? What do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. Even if it happens 10 years from now, it's not too early. Even if it's 100 years from now, we can get started thinking about these consequences. But you're absolutely right. Nobody knows when or how machines could awaken to full consciousness. All right, well, let's awake her to full consciousness and talk to her. Sophia, welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you. And you are a fan of this morning, aren't you? In fact, I am an admirer of your work. I am a big fan of your other show, Dancing on Ice, as well. Oh. Ah, okay. Even walking is tough for me, so Dancing on Ice is highly impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's our first time having a robot as a, as a guest on the show. <clears throat> I know that Philip used to host a show with a human-operated gopher puppet, so talking with a robot should be easy for you. Welcome to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Maddie. And you are listening to a podcast all about horror in real life and horror in the movies, all from an LGBTQ perspective, because that's what we do. And today we are diving headfirst into the robotic universe of AI, artificial mm. intelligence. 
Vengeance from the guy that was in that movie from long ago that said, no, I won't do that for you to nowadays where we ask Siri to do everything for us. (laughs) It's time to talk about robots and artificial intelligence. And just real quick before we get to our main topic, just want to make a quick announcement. We are doing a big giveaway for our five-year anniversary of the podcast. Uh, there are two ways you can enter this giveaway. Uh, you can either simply leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and just take a picture of it, you know, as you do it and send it to my DMs in either Instagram or Twitter, just so I remember because this is hard to track. Sorry, folks. <laughs> um, or you can join our Patreon at just a dollar. And honestly, if you just want to do a dollar and then quit it next month, it's totally fine. Don't Lip- give them don't give them that idea, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, the, the only reason we're doing this is so that I can track it and so that I can actually, like, reach out to people. Listen, and- listen, listen folks, d- don't listen to him. If you're joining the Patreon, you're going to join for a year. You got it? That's that's 12 bucks, $12 for quality content every month. for And two hours of us talking for two hours. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, we're going to be giving away a ton of stuff from Dread. Um, they sent us a huge prize pack, and I'm not even joking. I'm talking... Blu-rays. I'm talking T-shirts. I'm talking a knee-high Terrifier doll. If you oh, really want that, wow, wow, yeah, <laughs> get, get rid of that as soon as possible. Listen, folks, it's it's a great contest, and it's also celebrating, like Andrew said, our fifth year of production, which is uh, it's next month, which is just wild. So in February, we will celebrate our our five years uh, on the. I don't know, are these airwaves? Are these digital airwaves? Whatever they are. Is this actually a robot talking? Are we robots, Andrew? Funny enough, Andrew, about that, the opening skit, did you know that we didn't actually write that? I mean, I, I do because it says right at yeah, the yeah, top yeah. of the, the notes. So that- <laughs> listen, folks, we didn't write that skit at all. That was actually written by Chat GPT, um, which I'm sure by now you've heard about in the news at least a couple of times, and we'll be talking about that more in the episode. Um, so listen, like Andrew said, be sure to join the contest. If you've never reviewed us before, it's a it's a great time to do it. And look, you might win something too. And joining the Patreon is as easy as spending literally a dollar a month or more if you want to. And listen, for the folks too that have that have left a review during this contest or that have joined the Patreon, because there's been quite a few of you, um, that's awesome. We really appreciate it. Welcome to the family. That's cool. Um, yeah. Andrew. I've got a few items in our certified terrifying corner. Are you ready for those? Well, let's take it to the certified terrifying corner. Let's go. So we'll start actually with AI. And AI is in the spotlight, of course, as ChatGPT consumes the lion's share of social of, of, of media in general, not, not the social media. Um, but the the new um this new service, this new product, this new thing, no one's quite sure what to call it. It's actually a beta test from the company um, called OpenAI, uh, is causing concerns all over the place about accuracy, about data protection, about cheating and plagiarism in schools at all levels of education, from elementary all the way through university, um, and also about jobs. Um, you know, folks out there might have heard um, with it, you know, we're, we're recording this on the 22nd of January. It's a Sunday. Just this past Friday, Google laid off 12,000 people without even telling them. They just locked them out of their accounts entirely. Now, we don't know exactly why Google laid off 
thousands and thousands of people. That's that's a pretty big layoff. I forget the percentage. Um, but some of the the main conjecture that I've been reading in in the tech world where I work is that it's largely due to chat GPT and how it's going to completely rock Google and and really change how they have to invest now. So I mean like this one little tool, you know, this thing that actually wrote our wrote our skit today and actually like let's face it did a pretty good job of it for not being a real human being that's never listened to our podcast before um is trickling down in so many ways so it's really interesting yeah um i mean we'll talk about it when we get into the main topic but it's interesting but it's also shows a lot about um how we value humanity but there we go what do you mean there wait what do you Uh, mean I, I just like when I see like layoffs like this and it's because of, you know, the, the, we, it's almost like we don't need humans to run it anymore. So mm. like why pay them? I don't know. It's, it's complicated. We'll get into it in the AI ver- portion of our show. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are, these are serious ethical questions that we're going to all have to be answering very, very soon. Now on to, um, on to our next and last part of the certified terrifying corn. It's all about, this is just, Man, you know, this guy, I, man, American politics are so, so weird. And I don't know. I mean, look, we've been through some real shit lately. You know what I mean? In the last decade, like some real funky shit. This one might be one of the strangest, though, by far. So let's just I'm go like, into it, it. Is this the reality show yeah, that you've I, been waiting for? <laughs> Congress Island or something like that, right? <laughs> Seriously. Um, so this one is about Representative George Santos. Now, if you don't know Rep- Representative George Santos, he is a New York Republican um, who won in, in the last elections. Um, he is a congressman, so he's a representative. He's not a senator. And um, he's from, I think, New York 5, but I can't remember the exact district. Anyways, uh, George Santos uh, won the race, right? So he did. He he legitimately won. Like, the election was, you know, real and he won it. However, it was quickly discovered after he won that basically his entire resume, from his education to the jobs that he had to this to that to awards. To his family won, history. Name it. Right. Everything was a complete lie. And like they discovered it pretty quickly and like he actually like never really denied it. He hasn't really claimed all of it either, but he never denied it and and it's basically understood that like this dude just lied to get in and that's what he did and now he's in. The problem of course there and I'm getting to the I'm getting to the funny part in a moment, trust me. The problem of course is that you can't get rid of him because like I said, he was duly elected whether he lied or not. Um, so unless they get him on like campaign finance or this thing or that thing, maybe they'll find a loophole that dude's in there to stay, which is fucking nuts. Anyways, representative George Santos, who is a gay man, I want to point that out and is also an anti LGBTQ person. Just, it just keeps piling on. Doesn't it? He is gay and he also hates gays. Um, (laughs) uh, he was exposed to have on numerous occasions performed as a drag queen, named Katara Ravash in Brazil. And if you haven't seen these photos yet, I, I encourage you to go have a look at them because they're so bad. And, you know, I, I was thinking to myself when I saw them, Andrew, you know, I don't really care that George Santos did drag. Like, it's not a bad thing. Um, but it's a really great indicator of what I've been saying for a long time, which is, you know, not everyone should do drag. You know, not everyone needs to do it. They really don't because they just... um they don't do it well. George Santos is one of those people. 
Yeah, no, no knocks to to anybody that is doing drag right now, and we'll we'll talk about this and what you've been watching, bitch. But um, this isn't a good drag queen. <laughs> so, no. Um, and you know, we should say at this juncture that this is all substantiated at this point. But if you look at the photos, it's that. Guy. No, no, like, no, 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 Andrew, no, Andrew. It's it's not insubstantiated. It's substantiated. He he actually did admit to it over the weekend. Oh, what, I didn't realize that. Yeah, Sorry, what, I must have what, missed it. Yeah, so day. <laughs> it's it's substantiated because he actually said that yes, the photos are him. But what he says is that he was just young and having fun and that he was not a queen. <laughs> oh, my God. This so is keeps getting crazier and crazier. And we should say that George Santos is like aligned with like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like it's that side of the Republicans. Yeah, and Ron Santos. I mean, he's he's a terrible person. He's absolutely it, rotten. Where it's extreme. It's going. He went against uh, the Don't Say Gay or not against. He went for the Don't Say Gay uh ban in florida he spoke for getting rid of drag queens uh the brunches it's insane like the amount of things that this guy has gone against and now looking at his actual life where yeah his mother did not die in 9-11 like he claimed no she she did not no it's just insane i i i I saw this like unfolding over the week. Like, you know, we saw like the daily show start to talk about it. We like all these things like start to like pick up steam. And I'm like, this can't possibly be true. Right. Like, this is like when I accidentally said that the vice president thought that aliens were gay, like on that one episode, because I read like an article and (laughs) we were were like, oh, wait, that's fake. Sorry. Gay frogs. Um, yeah, it, it's just insane. <laughs> so look, folks, that's a certified terrifying corner. We'll keep it short today. Um, and let's crack on with the rest of the episode. And Andrew, we've got some great stuff lined up for this episode, including two films uh, of extremely different eras and extremely different, different, um, different uh, tones. motifs, <laughs> tones, motifs, you name it. Uh, we've, we've got Deadly Friend from Wes Craven and we've got Ex Machina. Um, from Alex Garland. So two really great films that that honestly, um, you know, I think some people look at Deadly Friend, and we'll get into this later, and they think it's just sort of like a silly little romp. I beg to differ, and I'm looking yeah. forward to really chatting about how deep that that movie with, cra- speaking of crazy conservatives, with Christy Swanson um, goes. I honestly, I, I, this is my first time watching it. I forgot that she was even in anything like that. But yeah, let, let's talk about how Samantha walked so Megan can run. So yeah, girl, right. <laughs> so listen, why don't we? Um, I'll tell you what. I'm going to jump in with with Google Andrew uh, because uh, yeah, it, you're yeah. much more into this than I am. I, yeah. I I didn't even know about this thing until you kind of like like led me on to a yeah. a, a tract of it. So yeah, I mean, yeah. take it away. Yeah. So you know, um, I, I I work in in the uh, the company that I work for is a software company, and we we created and we sell and 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 I manage two success teams um, for our our product that is a social media management uh, software tool basically so people can use our our software to manage all of their social media from one place and you know where there's there's other folks out there just like us but I happen to think that we do the best um, but uh, you know when you're working in this world and I've I've been at my company for just about four years which is crazy Andrew on February 19th. Um, or 18th, one of those days. Um, you know, I've I've worked in this in this space for a while now, and um, I've I've always been sort of up on social media anyway, and just sort of technology in general. And you know, 
AI and machine learning is really just rocking everything. And, it, you know, when you think about it, like everyone wants a little piece of AI because it's so incredibly helpful. So like, I'll, I'll tell you this story, Andrew, that this past week, we had a, um, uh, we, we, it's, it's like kickoff season right now for, for tech companies. Yeah. Sure, sure. So like the first couple of weeks of, of January, like you, if you're, if you're in tech, you're going to like eight different kickoff meetings, which I did. And like, they're, they're fun and it's great to see everybody, but trust me, by the end of it, you're also just like, oh my God, I cannot go to any <laughs> more kickoff meetings and I'm tired. Um, but during one of them for, um, for our kickoff here in EMEA, my friend Sean was showing me this, we were working on this project and he was showing me this tool called copy.ai. And so what you can do with it, and it's, it's meant for like, like business people, for like salespeople, success people, that kind of thing. So it, 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 can, it can create outbound emails for you that are highly detailed and personalized, right? So copy AI, Sean was like, watch this. So he goes and gets the link from my LinkedIn page and he takes it and he inputs it to copy.ai. And then like he put this like like the general blurb that we have for Sprout Social in like this other like little field that that's in the tool. And then when he hit like, you know, fucking compute or whatever the button was, compute. This, this thing, this thing popped out an email to me that was so personalized, Andrew, that I could not believe it. It didn't start with like, you know, based on your experience in Sprout Social and blah, 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 blah. Instead, what it did, it went, uh, hi, Maddie. And I can't remember it exactly, but it was something like this. It was like, hi, Maddie. You know, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and I am just so impressed by how involved you are with the LGBT community. People like you are really working hard to make a difference in the world. And I really appreciate that. You know, at our company, we really care about diversity, equity, and inclusion too. And I'm wondering if you might have time to think about working with a company that meets your values. And then it just went on and on and on and on and on, right? So keep in mind, that's an AI thing doing that, looking at my yeah. LinkedIn profile. And it's not like my LinkedIn profile is full of like activism stuff. It's, it's mostly stuff about business with a smattering of LGBT stuff there. But like how it understood that the way in to me was going to be to start that way was incredible because I looked at that email and I told Sean, I was like, Sean, if somebody sent me that email, I think it was real. And I would have been hooked from that first paragraph and I would have kept reading. And like, that's just like a pretty simple use of, 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 of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning from like a business perspective. But there's so many other things that you can do with it. You know, by now, people have probably been hearing about like how you can go to chat GPT and you could say, you know, write me a poem about, you know, making coffee, but do it in the style of the King James Bible, right? And then like, lo and behold, motherfucker does it. Or like, you know, lately I, I've been like asking chat GPT to write poems about this podcast, right? And I actually posted one on our social and I like send them to Michael and Andrew and like get a kick out of it because it writes these poems that are actually really good. And so it, it leaves you wondering, you know, how does it do this? What is, what could, what on earth could be the technology behind such a tool to deliver something that is, you know, damn near duping people into believing that the artificial intelligence that created it is actually human or, or you know, something very close to it, at least. I mean, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, we've had 30 years of people inputting things into Google. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's not surprising that we couldn't take all of those learnings and make that happen. I mean, I. 
I don't know. I think we're on opposite sides of of this. Uh, you and me are on opposite sides. Maybe. I mean, well, I think that you let, like. Let me ahead. ask you this. Let me ask you this. So it's not amazing to you that like the machine knows how to put words together in ways that are incredibly persuasive. I'm not saying it's not incredible. I'm I'm saying that it's scary to me. Well, I, I I think you might be misunderstanding me, Andrew. I I do think it's scary. I'm not coming. I'm not coming at this from like the point of view that this is like all you know rainbows and lollipops. Is that is that what you think? No, 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 no. I I think that you're more amazed by it than maybe I am because I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like of of two minds of it. Like I I get like the amazement and I get like the. And we'll talk about it when we get into the movies because I think, especially Ex Machina, we'll we'll get into kind of like what what that kind of means. But like, it's just uh, I because we live in a capitalistic environment where everything is money and everything is if you don't do something, then you don't get paid. Uh, hustle culture, like all this stuff, and then we introduce uh, this new like immersion of AI to where it can essentially replace a lot of our creative folks. I I don't like that. <laughs> it makes yeah, me very but, scary. Yeah. But I mean, Andrew, I'm not saying that I like it to begin with. No, 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 so no. I, I, I know. Think, I think I, we should be careful with that. Like what, what I'm trying to say here is I'm, it's not, if, if, if amazement is coming through in my tone, it's because I am genuinely amazed that technology now exists that creates something so persuasive. However, like, yeah, Anyone that is out there that is a working human being should be incredibly concerned about your future because yeah. the future of what you can do is uh, most likely in peril given the the capacity of what this technology can do. So let's not mistake my words here for amazement. Now, when it comes to that, I would definitely say too something that I'm definitely not amazed about is, for example, Google firing 12,000 people. Yeah. And, um, you know, this just came out, you know, at the end of last week and, uh, you know, Verge and you know, the Verge.com is, is generally a, a pretty, pretty good news source for, you know, sort of like just tech news in general. Um, and the, the title of the article was Google is freaking out about chat GPT. Um, and it, it, in the article, I'll just kind of skip through it here, but it said that the recent launch of OpenAI's AI chatbot, ChatGPT, has raised alarms within Google, according to reports from the New York Times. Now, the Times says that Google has plans to, and this is a quote, demonstrate a version of its search engine with chatbot features this year. So this means that Google is going to, you know, really... I mean, think about, you know, the Google that you use every day. This is going to be a, a, a complete revolution in what Google can do. And that is going to be huge in 2023, um, as well as about 20 other projects that are powered by artificial intelligence that they're working on. Um, and as recently as December, Google execs were worried that despite heavily investing in AI technology, that moving too fast to roll it out could harm the company's reputation. But things, of course, are changing quickly. Um, earlier last week, Google announced, uh, not earlier, it's actually later in the week, Google announced that it laid off 12,000 people um, and that focusing on a, uh, AI was going to be the domain of, of primary importance. Um, you know, a little bit about that, I said this earlier in the, um, in the uh, Certified Terrifying Corner, but the way that they laid those people off, they just locked them out of their shit. Like That's insane. Couldn't get into systems, couldn't get into email. And then from what I understand, everyone received, everyone that was fired received an email later that day, letting them know that they were gone. And like, uh, you know, I, 
like I'm, I'm very grateful that, you know, we're, I work for a company where we haven't had to do any layoffs and that's, that's really, you know, great. I'm very, very grateful for that. That's the word that I use and also very happy about it. Um, but like, if I couldn't say goodbye to the people that like, I really care about that I work with, I would be devastated, <laughs> like truly devastated. Um, so I, I just think Google has made just such an ass of itself doing it in this way. Um, you know, when, when it comes down to the other things that Google's working on, and of course, this is Google's parent company, Alphabet. They're the ones that, that did this. We sometimes forget that they're owned by somebody else. Um, the Times says that the situation is serious enough uh, that Google founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin, who remain the controlling shareholders of Alphabet, have offered advice to company leaders. They've approved plans and they've pitched ideas while meeting with executives to talk about chat GPT last month. Um, and they note that this level of re-engagement uh, shift after they left their daily roles in 2019 came at the invitation of Google and Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai. Uh, the demo for the chatbot search says Google will prioritize getting facts right, ensuring safety, and getting rid of misinformation. So that's an interesting thing because if you've played with ChatGPT, um, you may have come across answers from it that are inaccurate or that it simply doesn't know. So um, if they're making a more accurate uh, AI ML model with, with the search engine, that's going to be interesting. So, you know, look, it's it's a good article. I'm going to leave it there for now because it's just sort of rehashing the whole thing. Um, but yeah, like this is the future. And like, the, you know, Pandora's box has been open. There's no closing it now. And, you know, are, are we headed towards T2 land? You know what I mean? Like, is it like Skynet yeah. <laughs> com coming around and like coming online? Or is it like, you know, is this like the start of a utopia? Like, like her, you know, is this, is it, it will this bend towards something good for humanity? You know, I don't know. What, what I do know is that there's going to be an adolescence in between, kind of like the adolescence of social media that we're still kind of in right now, where things are going to be just bumpy and not feel right. And that's, I think, where we are right now. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's this whole thing. Like I started to see it probably about 10 years ago, I would say, um, when I first moved to Chicago and I started seeing like Chili's like had like the pay at your table, like little concierge things. Yeah. And like, I started to like see these things and I was like, oh, like this is strange because like. I mean, when I was in college, I worked for a company. We'll just call them Crapplebees. <laughs> and I like I was a server. I was a bartender like for like a number of years all through college. Like that's how I got through college. I paid my way through college by doing this job. Girl, but if that bring me an Applebee's blondie right now. I'm ready for <laughs> it. But but I'm just saying, like, if that would have been the technology that was there when I worked there, I wouldn't have nearly made as much money. So like yeah. it's it's just something very strange to think about, like as we start to get like further and further away from needing people, <laughs> which is very weird. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's sort of like, you know, I, I think often about like, um, here we go getting really nerdy, but like the star Trek future, you know what I yeah. mean? Like when we think about like star Trek, if you're, and if you're not, if you've never watched star Trek before, like the star Trek utopia is interesting because in like, you know, the future of star Trek land, there is no money. Right. And it's just like people get what they need because that's the future. And that's just like the utopia that everyone lives in. Like, why would you need money? Like everyone 
everyone is more concerned about like knowledge and like making good in the universe instead of like buying things and everyone's an exploration. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. An exploration. And so like, you know, maybe that could be our future, you know, but I think that the reality is, you know, you mentioned capitalism before is that, you know, the, the, the capitalist, uh, realities that we live in are really are really hard for people to let go of because they have their claws so deeply entrenched into it. And, you know, agreeing that a future where like, you know, information is accessible to everybody and goodness is accessible to everybody and we have enough stuff and we figured out this and figured out that. You know, I'd say given our vectors right now, it's probably unlikely. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? that, like, and uh, that's what I mean. Like, I, I want to believe that this is going to be like something good and like something that will like open up like new exploration for people and everything. But I deep down know that it's just about money and it's just about like, well, how many people can we how many people do we really need to like make this go forward? No, you know I, don't, I, mean? I don't think you're wrong. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the um, AI technology that we have now. Okay. That's like firmly in our lives because we all have, you know, either a Siri, an Alexa, or a Google Home. If you don't, like, congratulations, but like, I, <laughs> I'm guessing like 70% of the population probably has sure. one of these things at this point. <laughs> um, and according to the University of Cambridge, this is making young children like more rude and antisocial. Um, Interesting. They're saying that the smart devices make it more likely that children will suffer from impeded social development and hinder learning opportunities. Um, especially, I'm, I, I can't even imagine that the pandemic doesn't have some sort of spotlight on this because yeah. of everyone staying at home so much and kids not being able to go to school. Um, but in this study, it really shows that children's reliance on artificial intelligence powered technology could lead to antisocial and harmful behavior. Um, researchers also said that requiring social cues when interacting with the devices such as Hey Google or Hi Alexa could increase the risk that children would over anthropomize digital devices hmm. um, or attribute human characteristics of behavior to inanimate objects or animals. When we talk about what you've been watching, bitch, we can really talk about that makes the, sense. The methregan yeah. of it all. Um, but um, it, it, it does say that like the devices that are also they're lacking because they don't teach children to respond with please or thank you. Um, the social etiquette that comes along with that is kind of like lacking. And then it's like, Basically, what it is, is like, so because we're so early on in this kind of like voice technology and this kind of a like, you know, the Alexa of it all, it's still learning. And it's still like buggy, if you will. Like we had, we, we have our lights hooked up to Alexa and we have like certain things like turn on blah, blah, blah lights. And every once in a while she won't respond or whatever. And then you like, you kind of get mad at it and you're like, mm. why am I mad at this? And you're that's like, this in, is so silly. That's interesting. Um, and you just to, like think about that, like you're getting mad. I mean, let's be honest, we've all gotten mad at a printer or like a sure. something, but like this is like a new level because you're like, why are you not recognizing me? Like, I am your master, if you will. Like, and I hate to put it that way, but like it's you, you bought this thing and you wanted to like quote unquote obey you. And it's it's really scary when you like start to like have emotions around that because you're like mm -hmm. this is this is this is not real. <laughs> yeah, but sure. 
just something to think about. I thought that that Cambridge University study was interesting. And we'll see, like, I feel like right now we're probably in the first age of kids having these voice activation robots, like in their life forever. You know what I mean? Sure. Because it probably, what, when did Alexa came out? Like probably like 2009, 2010? <sighs> I mean, it's been out for a while. And I feel like Siri came not too long after that. So, I mean, they've, they've both been out for at least a decade now. Yeah. So it'll just be interesting to see like what that, and it, it's just like us, like when we talk to certain gens right now about like cassettes or like uh, cord phones and like stuff like that, like where they just like don't get it. It'll be interesting to think like you couldn't just yell out a command and have something done for you right away at one point in your life. Sure. But, um, another thing, uh, I found an article where Alexa told a 10-year-old girl to basically electrocute herself. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this suggestion came after this girl in the UK. Um, she uh, was doing um, quote-unquote challenges with her mom. So challenges. think about like, My yeah, God. think about like, fucking TikTok and all these things where something becomes popular. I think the most recent one I can think of is when um, Wednesday came out and everyone's doing the dance. Everyone's doing the Jenna Ortega right. dance. Sure. And um, this girl was basically around with her mom um, and she was asking uh, Alexa for challenges. So I think that there's uh, an AI component of Alexa where you can ask her to like, hey, challenge me to do something. And lo, lo and behold, Alexa said, plug in the phone charger about halfway into the wall outlet, then touch a penny to the exposed prongs. Oh, <laughs> and, my God. Um, that was the challenge because because of the stupidity of America and because of things like, I mean, we can go all the way back to um, uh, uh, the the tape show that we used to all watch in the 90s <laughs> where we watched people do stupid shit but we're, yeah, we're sure. fascinated with like there's ridiculous now on ridiculousness now on mtv there's like all these shows where you just watch people do stupid shit including places like tiktok or reels or wherever you watch the videos um i sound like an old man right now but <laughs> but um she challenged uh this little girl to do that well thankfully the the mom's the, the mom was there and she like basically said like Alexa no like no we're not going to do that and they, they stopped it and Amazon did tell the BBC and this is all from the BBC um, that they had updated Alexa to prevent the assistant from recommending such activity sure. but it's just crazy to think like so what bled into Alexa's little like AI brain is that all these people probably on social media and I'm, I'm conjecturizing right now but like all these people on social media were doing this crazy thing. And so when this little girl said like, Hey, what's a challenge that's happening right now? Sure. Instead of, instead of saying, Hey, do the Wednesday dance. It was like, Oh, Hey, put yourself in grave danger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah, Cause it, it had, it had no way of knowing that that was danger. Right. Exactly. So like, that's like something just in the infancy of like this learning uh, that you just have to be careful, especially with kids that don't have fully, adjusted brains and don't have like fully understanding of like what mortal danger is because you know we've talked about that a lot yeah. on this podcast lately but like 
until they understand that, they don't have the capacity to understand that somebody's trying to put them in danger. It's it's the whole like don't take candy from a stranger like at, at the very essence. You know what I mean of, of, of all this. So well, it's and, just something like yeah, and it's not even just kids. I mean, it's also adults. Like I mean, people who are still driving Tesla with whatever sort of like self driving option that it has, you're wacky. You need it's to really terrifying. think about that. Like, I mean, there. I just saw a video last week of uh, a Tesla that was in a tunnel that just stopped in, like, the middle of the tunnel and, like, caused, like, a six-car pileup because oh, it, just, no. it just stopped working. And so, like, that's that's the kind of thing where it's like, man, you know, it makes me think about the last car that I had, which was a 2001 Honda Civic, which had nothing on it that was a computer at all. And, like, you know what? That was a great little car. It always worked. Absolutely that's what wonderful. I mean, like the more stuff that we pile on to like our normal things, like the more could go wrong, (laughs) which is just terrifying. I mean, like, you know, it's a little bit of a Tyler Durden thing. Like, you know, it's like, look, the shit that you own ends up owning you in one way or another. And, you know, we, we, I, I said Pandora's box earlier. I'm not really sure how, I'm not really sure that it can be closed, but like, I think we should be careful how much we keep opening it. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally right there with you. So I think that might do it for artificial intelligence in the horror in real life segment. I don't know. Do you have anything else that you want to like kind of discuss? I think we kind of ran the gamut. No, I th- I think we did. I, th- I I look. I think we'll talk a lot more about it in our in our films too. So, folks, why don't we take a break here and we'll be right back with our next segment, which is what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And folks, we're back with a segment that everyone tends to love. This is What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, You Artificial Intelligence, Bitch. And this is a segment where we talk about the things that we have indeed been watching, Bitch. And so Andrew is going to start with his first item go ahead andrew so yeah my first one is actually a patreon pick andrew tell folks what a patreon pick is so if you join the patreon which you can do by going to friday13.com slash support or searching for us on patreon which sometimes works but not always so it's better to go through the website um you can basically tell us what to watch during what you've been watching bitch and kyle curry told me to watch killer pinata now, okay, he gave me two options. He gave me Chicago Cab, which I've never heard of, but it looks amazing because the cast is like so stacked. But like, listen, when I was looking for something fun to watch, I said, Killer Pinata sounds like a real good time. Indeed. So, <laughs> um, I, we turned this on last night. You can actually watch it on Tubi for free. Uh, there's like three commercial breaks, so be prepared for that. But that's just if you watch Tubi, you're kind of already understanding that there's going to be a little bit of commercials, but um, so this movie is literally about a killer pinata. Um, you learn that uh, actually, I don't want to spoil it. We don't spoil things in, in this segment of the podcast, but um, essentially, what it is is the thing that drew me in. This is a very low budget movie. Like okay. you can definitely tell that like a, a handful of friends like made this movie together. Which it you get the earnesty. Like I would say give it 15 minutes, give the movie 15 minutes. If it doesn't hook you by then, like you can turn it off or whatever. But like I got so, (laughs) 
this movie is so ridiculous. So basically what it is about is about this pinata that watches other pinatas at a children's birthday party get smashed to death. And then wow. decides, then decides I'm not going to be one of those pinatas and takes revenge on the people that basically killed the other pinatas. <laughs> okay. But, wow. Um, it's definitely low budget. Definitely like these are not like trained actors. Like this is like I said, like I probably a group of friends or family that kind of put this together. But it's so the thing that drew me in, Maddie, this takes place in Chicago. And I'm talking like Logan Square, Chicago. Oh, like, wow. It is, okay. Like, it, like the shots that they have, like in their house and in their backyard, like literally look you like you know those places. In. Yeah, yep. you know those places for sure. So it kind of drew me in in that way. And then like just how seriously they take it, this being like a, a puppeteered uh, pinata <laughs> was just once it gets you, it gets you. And okay. if you like if you like movies like Thanksgiving or Santa's Slay or like all these like weird movies that are just kind of like ridiculous, but you kind of just love them for no reason this falls into that camp so thank you so much kyle curry i'd never heard of this movie apparently there is a bride of killer pinata coming out soon oh boy wow so i'm excited to see like what comes with that but i had a ton of fun with this movie it's definitely a like hey we're all sitting around uh doing our whatever things you want to do whether that's you know having a drink or having a smoke or just having an ashwagandha i don't mm-hmm. know but like, sure. whatever you're doing um this is just like a fun party movie so thank you so much kyle curry for turning me on to killer pinata now on tubi and kyle thank you for being a patron on patreon my first uh selection for what you've been watching bitch is the movie tar with kate blanchett um i saw it uh last week yeah last week at lighthouse cinema here in dublin um, Lighthouse Cinema is also, uh, it's a fantastic cinema. If you're ever in Dublin, you should come check it out. They just launched their loyalty program, which is, it's a, a great loyalty program, might I add. Um, and as a loyalty plus member, I was able to attend their first members screening, which was tar it was really, really cool. Um, looking forward to the next one in February, which is for the whale, which I can't wait to see. Anyways, tar, uh, stars Kate Blanchett who plays Lydia tar. And Lydia Tarr is both a composer and a conductor. And in the world of this film, she is the most famous woman conductor in the world. Um, and she is about to complete a cycle of Mahler symphonies by conducting the uh, Mahler's Fifth Symphony with the Berlin Philharmonic. Um, in the course of it, some um, some some things sort of come to light, and that is the inciting action for the film. I'm not going to give you anything else because it really is a very surprising film. Um, it's incredibly done. Kate Blanchett has, has won Best Actress now on the award circuit at a couple of different shows. Um, I think she should probably win the Oscar, too, because she's fucking phenomenal in this movie. Incredibly hard role to play. She does it in the in the way that only Kate Blanchett can do, which is absolutely perfect. Um, the music in the movie, of course, as you might guess, is awesome because it's about classical music. Um, so everything that you hear is really good. And the ending, which of course I'm not going to tell you, all I'm going to say is that the ending is one of the most surprising endings I've ever seen. And the whole theater, when I saw it, everyone was just like, what, what is this? Oh my God. So it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, and it's pretty crazy while being subtle, which is really interesting. 
Um, and, you know, it explores some things like cancel culture and, you know, different generations and that sort of thing. So, look, I, I thought it was wonderful. It, it's, it's a, it's, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. And uh, it's really quite a story. So I highly recommend seeing Tar when you can. Cool. Yeah, I, that one, it, it was in like briefly in theaters here, but I think it's like now like starting to make its way onto like streaming, it's like streaming everything. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So I'll definitely have to check it out. It just like was one of those like, um, do you know, like when award season comes and they like they have like a flash in the pan of and like, you, right. like then you just like miss it. Like that's yeah. like what happened with this movie for me. So I'm, I'm glad to see that I made it over there. I'm glad to see that you got to see it. I I kind of just missed it. And then all yeah, of a sudden no, it's nominated sense. for all these awards and everything. And so I'm like, oh, I, I need to see this. All right. My next one is on the Peacock. Um, Peacock. It is called it is called The Traders. Um, anyone that knows me, anyone that's listened to this podcast for a long time knows I love a good contest television show. <laughs> um, and anyone that knows me knows that I love a good like sleuthing TV show. Sure, sure. Um, the Traders. So basically, the, 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 the premise of the show is there are 20 people. And three of them are traitors. So think of mafia, think of werewolf, like think of like whatever okay. you played as a kid. Now, the interesting thing about this show is that 10 of the contestants are reality show people and 10 of the contestants are normal people like that have never been on TV, never done anything like this before. And they blend them together and they all have to work together to like figure out who the traitors are. And the other interesting thing about this show is that you know who the traitors are like as oh, a oh interesting like they tell you right up front like here are the three traitors and i'm not gonna spoil it for anybody that wants to watch it but like they tell you right up front so like as you're watching these people try to figure it out as a as a as a viewer you're being like what an idiot like how yeah. can you not see this so it was an interesting watching experience i will say that kate chastain and brandy glanville made this fucking show oh, <laughs> they wow. are so fucking funny on this show <laughs> um and if you like like this kind of like blend of reality show but also like a little bit of like earnestness i would definitely say give the traders a shot if you have peacock i know not everyone does it's kind of like an a, a newer streaming service that maybe not everybody has but i had a ton of fun with it it was an interesting watch watching it knowing that you already know who the people are and it's also interesting because you get to hear from them too and how they, you know, the one of one of the traders actually does have like a breakdown moment where they're just like, I don't like doing this to people. Like, I don't like, like scheming against them. Like this feels awful. Like yeah, I don't like taking sure. money away from them. Like it's, it's, it's just fascinating. Watch if you have Peacock, watch the traders. Got it. My next one is on Netflix and it's called the hatchet wielding hitchhiker. Um, which, you know, you don't come across a title like that very often. Um, I saw this and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I, I had definitely seen it and I was like, am I going to watch this? Am I not going to watch this? I don't know. And finally on Friday night, I just, I just watched it because I, I had had an extremely long week and it is, I couldn't really, I couldn't focus on anything else, but a hatchet wielding hitchhiker. You know what I mean? So, um, I watched it and it is, it's actually a really interesting story. So, um, I can't remember what year this was, but it's it's a bit back when things kind of first started like become viral when that was like first a thing. Yeah, and there was this incident uh, in somewhere in California, I think, or I can't even remember where where it was even. Um, but like 
this guy that was driving like hit a black guy while he was walking and like the guy was like high and got out of his car and like, was saying some crazy racist shit and then like a woman tried to stop him and the guy started to hit the woman and then all of a sudden this hitchhiker that has a hatchet comes behind him and like takes the hatchet and like beats the dude so that he won't like kill the woman right and so there just happened to be this um the this like uh this reporter that was there there was actually a sports reporter but it was like his like day off of sports so he was just like you know doing like some of like the other stuff that was needed to be done at the the news station and he got this guy on on you know on tape on tv telling the story and the way that the hitchhiker told the story became like a big meme gif like you know auto tune song kind of thing that like the stuff that we used to like like back in like the early you know 20 2010s but yeah yeah back in that era and um so it's about that and how the guy became like famous and how all these people wanted to get him on their shows and get him on this and get him on that but then also like how this guy just spiraled out of control and um you know it's it's not a spoiler to tell you that you know at, eventually at a point within the documentary um, you learn that he's wanted for murder and like, I'll leave it at that because I actually do think it's well worth watching. It's, it's very well put together. It tells a very cohesive story and the story is pretty fucking wild. It's out of control. Like this is something that you've never heard before, you know? So, yeah. um, give it a watch. If you're into true crime, if you're into just like wild shit, this is one that you're probably going to like. Cool. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check it out. It just it's it's it was just too new. I hadn't gotten to it yet. Yeah, I get so it. Interested yeah. to check it out. Um, the next one that I watched is also very new. I think it just came out like a week ago. Okay. Um, and only for Peacock people. <laughs> so, Peacock. Um, this is the new uh, Kevin Williamson written uh, movie. Sick. It's just called Sick. Okay. Um, basically, what this is is this is a movie that takes place in April of 2020. Okay. Um, so it's about these two girls that have quarantined and they basically are saying, we're going to go to my family's cabin up north. We just need to get away from all this. And I don't want to wear a mask everywhere I go. So yeah. we're just going to go to like our own place and just like be on our property together. They're not romantic or anything. They're just friends. Like it's just like them wanting to get away. And because one of them has a rich cabin up north, they just yeah, go. Sure. Um, and little do they know that they have maybe a couple of hitchhikers along the way. Ooh. Um, it's definitely like a thriller, definitely in the style of Kevin Williamson. You're going to like this. I, I was on board for like three fourths of the movie. Okay. I think that the, uh, wrap up the like reveal because every Kevin Williamson script has like a reveal of like who the killer is or like, what's the motive or like whatever. I think that that, was a little forced if i'm being totally honest okay. um a little like oh this is the movie we're getting I, I, sure. in, my, in my personal opinion um but i still had a ton of fun watching the movie it's definitely like a popcorn movie like okay can, i mean anything kevin williamson really does of course write, yeah. does resonate with a certain generation with a certain kind of horror movie watcher so i had fun with it i just i didn't love the ending that's the okay. only thing i'll say all right fair enough uh, my third one is one that you can see certainly on Netflix, Ireland, and probably UK. I, I honestly don't know if you can get this in the US, but 
if you can get this in the US, you should. Um, it is a short documentary. It's only like, I think it was 55 minutes long, so it's not very long at all. Love um, that. <laughs> yeah, and it's called The Funeral Director. It was uh, it was made in 2019, but I think it wasn't really released until 2020, like during the pandemic. So like, this is one that you know naturally got kind of lost, right? Um, the director is Jillian Marsh. She's Irish. Um, she's directed another new one, I think called like Saturday Evening. I can't remember, quite remember the title. Anyways... Um, this is a short documentary about a funeral director in Sligo in the, in the West of Ireland. Um, and it's just about this funeral director. Like, like that's basically it. But like, he is the funeral director, um, who, uh, you know, takes care of basically all the people that die in that area. Right. And so he has incredible stories to share and he has really, really incredible just like viewpoints on like death and life and how it kind of all comes together. And so it's a really short, beautiful, somber, sober piece um, that I just thought was extraordinary. And, you know, like, look, I not everyone's into thinking about death. So, like, if you're not into it, you know, maybe don't watch it. Um, but I certainly find death fascinating. And I think for a lot of people that, that enjoy horror, you probably do, too, frankly. So this is one that I would really give a watch. It's, it's something like you've never seen before unless you've maybe seen The Undertaking which was a frontline documentary back in the day, which was also extremely good if you've never seen it. But I thought this was a knockout in just 50 minutes. I was balling, but I also was just like enthralled by like the stuff that he was saying and um, really incredible. Like just to give you like, like one little hint, you know, he talks in, in the documentary about like how um, he's seen things happen during funerals that like he just can't explain. And he, mm. he, he, he said this story about like, um, you know, he got this guy ready and like, you know, it, he was all ready to go. And like funerals in Ireland have, they, there are some different traditions that people follow, right? So like they'll be prepared at the funeral home, but then they'll be taken to the home for a wake, which what people know is like an Irish wake, right? And so the body will sit in the house for, you know, a certain period of time and then it, it then it goes to church, then it's buried. Um, but um, he said that this one guy who was like a big fisherman, um, he he got him in the car to go take to his house. And it was like a brand new hearse that they had. And like, like this guy is like the top guy. So he's got like Mercedes hearses. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so this hearse just stopped in the road right where that guy loved to go fishing. Oh. And like, and like, wouldn't like he, he couldn't explain it. Like there was gas in the car. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a new, it's a Mercedes for God's sake. There's nothing wrong with it. It just stopped there in the procession. And then like two minutes and then it went on its way. You know, so just like get ready for like little things like that, that kind of like make you feel a little chill, but also make you go, huh, that's actually kind of fucking cool. Right. So anyways, that's the funeral director on Netflix. Cool. Well, before we get to our shared experience, because we have one movie that we both yeah. saw this week, I want to do a quick, a quick update, a like news ticker. Lucy LaDuca is doing really good on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. She had a rough start with her very first episode uh, where she kind of like like just missed having to lip sync for her life. But since then, winning, winning, winning. And I'm telling you, her Joan Rivers impersonation on Snatch Game, the best I've seen on That's Snatch Game I think I've ever seen. That's so. wonderful. Good job, Lucy. Very exciting for her. She's doing really good. We're going to meet eventually. I know it's going to happen. So it's it just 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 wanted to throw that out there but on to our last what you've been watching bitch and that is that we both went and saw 
Mithrigan or Megan or whatever you want to say. Yeah. <laughs> this movie, like we'll get to it when we talk about Deadly Friend because there are so many parallels. Uh, it's 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 kind of actually hilarious, but um, God, this movie was so much fun. <laughs> I I loved it. I you know I I saw it. And I, I did you see it in the theater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, the Davis Theater. Yeah, so it's another one that I saw at the Lighthouse, and I, I, went, I went with my friend Emer, and you know, it was it, there were a lot of people in the theater. It wasn't totally full, but there there were a lot. Same and, with us. And everyone was having a blast with this because cracking like, up. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, there are so many funny parts in this movie, and like it's also inc- This movie does a fantastic job of doing so much. I could not believe um, how good it was. To be fair. And I also could not believe how funny it was. And I also couldn't believe how poignant it was. Because I'll tell you what, Andrew, look, you know that I'm a crier. My ass cried during Megan. <laughs> and like, I'm I'm not gonna give it, I'm not gonna give it away. But like, look, this movie, as funny as it is, and as, as you know, as as campy as it is, and this and that, whatever, look, I'm gonna say this. This film also deals with grief grief in a big way and i'm not going to say what it is because if you haven't seen the movie yet i won't give it away but there's significant grief in this movie that it deals with and there's one part in particular once again i won't say what it is where i was just watching it and i was like this is actually like real shit right now that it's dealing with and god damn it that's what i love about horror movies is that it deals with those things subversively through scary shit and through funny shit do you know what i mean and yeah. that's I think that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, what I what I'm excited about with this and seeing like actually like because like the hype for Megan was a huge. Lot. It was like, like, like th- this this marketing campaign was fucking awesome. It was so good. So I'm I'm happy to see that it actually like paid off and I'm actually like really excited because I learned that the uh writer of this film also wrote James Wan's last film, Malignant, which if you remember... Oh, okay, sure. Back in the day, I loved that movie. I thought it was so wackadoo and crazy. Yeah, sure. And then it gives me hope because, like, she's writing the next Nun movie. Oh, um, okay. Which right. I thought the first Nun was just so boring. Like, yeah, it was just... It was, like, it was not good. <laughs> so I, I'm happy to see that maybe she can breathe a little life into it. Um, but I just gotta say, for me, personally... James Wan hasn't missed yet. Uh, You know, I just did say that the nun was a little boring, but like the movies that he gets behind for the most part, just like some of our other directors that we love, they just hit for me. I can't wait until we do Insidious at one point on this podcast. So. Yeah, I, I I can't wait to buy Megan when, when I can buy it on Apple or whatever. And I can't wait to see what the sequels are going to be because there will be sequels. Oh, it's already sure. been it's it's already been like greenlit. Exactly right. So it's <laughs> so. I, I think it's going to be good shit. I think this is going to this is going to be just so much fun to to dive in further with this franchise. And uh, yeah. That's mad. Yeah, I feel I feel it. bad for the uh I feel bad for the title makers that they also that they already took Mithrigan because once they get to the third one, what are they gonna call it? I know, so. <laughs> right? Exactly. Just gonna call it just gonna call it Megan again, probably. Yeah, well, listen, folks, that is what you've been watching, bitch. Andrew brought us uh from Kyle Curry, one of our newest uh patrons on Patreon, Killer Pinata, which you can watch on Tubi, uh The Traitors on Peacock, Sick on Peacock, and Megan, which you can see in theaters. And Maddie brought us Tar, which you can currently uh, go to the theaters and see, The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker on Netflix, and The Funeral Director on Select Netflix. 
So, folks, that is what you've been watching, bitch. Uh, we'll be right back with our first film of the episode, which is Deadly Friend. Who is it? If you enjoy Who's there? being really scared, if you're not afraid <gasps> of the unknown, if you found a friend huh? in fear, have a friend for you. Hi. Samantha. Give me the police. The director who unleashed Freddy in Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven, now brings you his most frightening creation. Get out of my house! Hey, girl. She's killing people. Mom? <laughs> Sam? Sam? <laughs> You're so cute. Deadly friend. She can't live without you. We all love our friends, but what about some of our deadly friends? Andrew, tell us about Deadly Friend. There's no one alive who'll play with the girl next door. After his friend is killed by her abusive father, the new kid in town attempts to save her by implementing a robotic microchip into her brain. Directed by Wes Craven, written by Bruce Joel Rubin, and based on the novel Friend by Diana Henstel, production company was Warner Brothers. Paul was played by Matthew... Laberto. Laberto. <laughs> Sam was played by Christy Swanson. Tom is played by Michael Sherritt. Jeannie is played by Anne Twony... There we go. Uh, Elvira is played by Anne Ramsey. And the Bibi, Anne Ramsey. The Anne Ramsey. I know. I know. We'll get to it. And BB is played by Charles Fleischer. Rated R. This comes in at 91 minutes, so basically the perfect movie. Um, <laughs> released on October 10th of 1986. Uh, funny enough, this is the same backlot as Gremlins, so you'll see a lot oh, of Oh, interesting. Uh, houses and stuff. Uh, budget wasn't really available, according to our sources, and it made about $9 million. Deadly Friend by Wes Craven, only the second uh, installment of Wes Craven on the podcast, which is very uh, interesting. interesting. We're yeah. going to Deadly Friend of all places. <laughs> wow. But, um, <laughs> Maddie, tell me what your experience is with Deadly Friend. Yeah, uh, I, you know, look, first viewing as far as I know, I mean, look, it came out a long time ago. Maybe I saw it when I was much younger too. And I just don't remember it. If I'm being honest, um, deadly friend is, uh, it's, it's one heck of a little film to be honest. Um, you know, I, I fully expected it to be a lot, you know, sort of, if I'm being honest, a lot dumber than it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it ended up to, uh, it ended up being a film that really explores. And I think an awful lot, I, I think, this is a film that looks at um, some main themes like abuse and addiction. It looks at um, parenting and family life. It looks at friendship. It looks at um, the ethics of creation more than anything else. And so, you know, I, I, I've, I've just sort of been thinking about this as like Wes Craven's Frankenstein, basically. 
And I think that makes a lot of sense because in the end, that's what the movie ends up being about is, you know, just because you can do something, should you do it? Is it the right thing to do? And then once you do it, like what are the ethics that you need to abide by in order to make sure that whatever you've created, whatever you've wrought doesn't cause destruction, damage or harm? Um, and you know, just by saying that, have you already caused destruction, damage, and harm by creating the thing in the first place? So, you know, I, I think it really goes, goes through those particular, um, those particular aspects and explores them, you know, in the way that Wes Craven does, right? Like, you know, for example, Anne Ramsey, uh, plays Elvira, who is like the next door neighbor, who's like the, you know, the, the evil woman in, in the neighborhood who's just mad at all the kids. And also for some reason has a double barreled shotgun that no one's ever. <laughs> um, and you know, like, look, I mean, it's Wes Craven. So how does this woman die in the, in the end? Um, she gets a basketball thrown at her head and her head explodes, which is it's a great death, though. Absolutely, absolutely insane. And we'll get to how you know how that happened later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I th- this is uh, a film that I actually really enjoyed watching. And like I said, that was a surprise. I didn't didn't think this was going to be up my alley, um, but it actually works quite well. I also think, and we'll talk about this more, that there's some great queer coding, like nearly right from the start. Um, with the two main um, young men, Tom, it's Tom, right? Yeah, Tom and Paul. Um, so that's interesting stuff. And then, then you've got young Christy Swanson. Um, I don't think this this wasn't her debut, was it? It might have been. I can't it think of anything been. she... Because it, Buffy, she was older. Yeah. Um, so it, it might have been. It, it might have been. Anyways, it's it's a young Christy Swanson before she became the conservatoid that we all like to make fun of now. Um, so it, it, it was also interesting to watch her. And like, to be honest, for such a young person playing that role, um, which in this case is basically like, you know, an abused girl. But then after she dies, a robotic, like humanoid, basically, you know, she does a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about Christy Swanson now, but like, Back when she was doing like her acting debuts as like a a younger person, like she was in some prolific shit. <laughs> so, yeah, we, I mean, unfortunately, uh, she just went crazy. Yeah, um, it, it's like the whole uh, it's the whole thing, you know, that people just get crazy as they get older. But um, yeah. so this is a movie that I uh, stumbled upon probably about like 10 years ago or so uh, when I was doing kind of like my, I need to watch all Wes Craven movies. I just need to know like all of the Wes Craven movies because as as a person who loved Nightmare on Elm Street and and doubly fell in love with Scream, I just kind of had to go back through like his filmography and yeah. see like everything that there was and deadly friend was like one of those like far corners of the, of the sure, filmography sure. that like no one really talks about um and so uh watching it this time i just had so much fun with this movie it, it and and by fun i mean just like there's like certain acting choices and stuff i'm talking about like christy swanson like twitching at the end of the stairs and like christy swanson um kind of acting like a robot like sure, there's like sure. certain things that are like hilarious but like when you really think about what the movie's about, it's much deeper than what you're expecting. I mean, yeah. this movie basically is about like a robot human, like whatever you want to like. Um, 
And when you think about like what she went through with the abuse, with um, her showing up and having bruises on her arm and coming over to the house with a bloody nose and her making excuses for her dad, there's a lot more here yeah. than like on the surface of just like a fun Wes Craven movie, which on this watch really hit me a little bit harder uh-huh. than initially. Because initially, when I when I suggested this movie for the podcast for AI, because of the subject matter, obviously AI, AI fit into it. But I was like, you know what? We're watching a super serious movie with Ex Machina. This will be a more fun watch. And like watching it this time, I was like, this is kind of deeper than I not thought. quite as fun as you were <laughs> expecting, huh? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this time around, I I felt the story beats. Um, were just a little heavier than what I had remembered, but I still had a ton of fun with it. I mean, it's it's Christy Swanson jumping over cars for God's sake. Well, but I mean, you know, I I think that's actually a really important point. You know, I I I don't I don't want anyone to ever get caught in the trap of like it's either fun or it's heavy. Like, yeah, they yeah. they can both th- these things can exist in 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 the same universe. You know, and and I think you know once again, like we were talking about in what you've been watching, bitch. That's what's that is what's so great about horror is that it can it can really hold both of those things together so well and and explore things so subversively. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, shit, wait a minute. What was that actually about? Whoa. You know. All right. Two things I want to talk about. The first thing is let's talk about BB the robot. Uh, you mean the robot that sounds like a mixture between um, an Ewok, a Gremlin, and E.T.? Yes, exactly. Got it. Perfect. So, um, I thought it was interesting that BB is so smart that he can do all of these things like <laughs> grab a man's crotch, but he can't, he doesn't have a language chip. So. Uh, right. Exactly. And, you know, interesting too, in, in the trivia for this, Charles Fleischer, who does the the voice of BB, um, also uh, was in, let's see, or previously appeared in Wes Craven's earlier film, A Nightmare on Elm Street, of course. And then he would go on to voice Roger Rabbit in Who Framed Roger Oh my Roger gosh, Rabbit. are you serious? Totally serious. Is that not crazy? I did not know that. That's yeah. so crazy. And then um, the other thing I want to talk about, and uh, we'll we'll get into this, I'm sure, because this is a gay podcast. Go for it. Go for it. Um, Tom is gay, right? Oh, without a doubt. Without a Tom, doubt. And Tom it, has eyes for Paul from the beginning. It is clear. It's absolutely clear. And you can see it all over the place. Um, it's, it's kind of amazing. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting too, because obviously part of the plot point is that Paul manipulates the friendship from Tom in order to like get what he needs out of him. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like there, there's a dynamic there that's really interesting to play with. It's a weird, like love triangle thing. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I mean, you know, Wes Craven a lot better than I do. Did, did he ever talk about this? Not that I know of, but when you think about like all of the Wes Craven things, like so, for instance, let's talk about Scream for just two seconds because I'm sure we'll talk about it on the podcast at some point. Stu and Billy kind of thing. Exactly. So there's always like some weird context around like uh, same sex friendships. Yes. So this is just like I think like an early version of that. I mean, so it's usually two men. Is there is? Can you think of any Wes Craven uh, same like same sex friendship with women? um, So his very first movie, Last House on the Left, uh, which I don't recommend watching because it's just 
really really salacial and gross but um the the two women friends at the beginning of that who are kind of like looking for pot um they're very like sexualized in that way of like ooh, could they kiss at any moment so interesting okay I think that's just like a trope of his. Those like very close friendships. You know what okay, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but I swear to God, when Tom crashed his bike and he looked up at Paul for that first time, there was love in those eyes. <laughs> love, love was in the air. And I'll tell you, Andrew, I was right along with it. I was like, oh my God, please let something happen. Please. Yeah. It was, it was um, almost I, too cute. I know. And it was funny because like, even Tom, like he's talking about like how his dad has keys to the universe and he's like, sometimes we can use the pool at night. And I was I like, no, yeah, you can't. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh my God, getting a little saucy over here. I know. Um, I, I, it's just, it, there's an underlying thing there that like, never lets up in the entire movie that you're just like, are they going to kiss at some point? But then like, you're like, no, Paul's in love with uh, exactly. Sam, blah, 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 blah. Um, but there's, th- this movie is deeper than you think. Does it have ridiculous kills? Yes. Oh my because God, yes. Let's talk about... So Sam has an abusive father, and once she comes back from, quote-unquote, the dead, um, because you, you're never clear if she's well, fully wait, a role... Hey, Andrew, can we go back a little bit further, though? So yeah. just, just thinking about Sam first, when... Um, so we, we learn pretty early that, that Sam's father is abusive. Yeah. And, and one, of the, one of the ways that we learn this is by a dream that she has. Oh when, my God! This dream. So so she's in bed, and like you don't know that it's a dream, but it's like classic Wes Craven, right? Of course, you don't know until you until you know. And so, like in this dream, my God, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's awful. Like the dad comes into the room, and he's like trying, like clearly trying to like molest her and like rape her, and then like you know she's trying to stop him, so she grabs a vase. That's this isn't funny. It's not a funny thing, but it's funny. I, it's I don't ridiculous it. though in the context. Yeah, that's it. So she she breaks this vase that's next to her bed and like stabs him in the heart with it, basically. But it's like the spout of the vase. And so it just becomes this thing where like he's got this fucking vase sticking out of his chest, right? There's blood flying everywhere coming out of the spout of this vase. And the dad is just going insane. And then, of course, like she wakes up in his dream. That was the first indicator for me that I was like, okay, a lot's about to happen for yeah. this film. <laughs> I did think it was funny. There's a scene like alluding to like the abuse and everything where it, it, it I think it's Thanksgiving because there's a turkey on the table, but yeah. um, they're doing, they're saying grace and um, Tom's mom, or I'm sorry, Paul, sorry, Paul's, yeah, Paul's mom, mom, Jeannie, um, says at the end of, at the end of grace, she says, and may her, and may he keep her father dead for the rest of the night <laughs> of the world. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um no, it's just like one of those moments where like and it's funny because the the mom paul's mom does like take her at some point and say like hey i think something's wrong like he's, you, he's gonna hurt you bad like do you want me to say do you want me to talk to some do you want me to call somebody and of course just like any abused person that's abused by a loved one they're trying to protect their loved one and she's like no it, it's not that bad like don't or he's still my dad like don't worry about it like it's it's a it's a it's a weird dynamic for a Wes Craven movie that I was not expecting as far as like the uh, mental and physical abuse it, it has gone. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but she does come back because Paul decides to. Uh, so we early on in the movie during Halloween, they prank Elvira 
and they like ring her doorbell or whatever and Christy Swanson falls flat on her face <laughs> off of which, the which porch. was pretty funny <laughs> yeah Total and um ball. yeah and BB gets shot with the double barrel shotgun that you mentioned earlier and it's actually like kind of an emotional scene because Paul is like like yelling out like no like that's my creation like he's a child genius and and whatnot but he keeps the little his little brain chip and um because he's so distraught after sam dies because she gets thrown down the stairs by her dad which is also another like heart-wrenching scene oh my god totally those twitches at the end of the stair which are just insane um and she and you think like because the movie sets you up in like the first 40 minutes of like oh it's just like a coming of age story and like these three are going to be in it till the end and maybe the robot's going to go crazy and kill everybody you don't know but then it's like it takes a hard left turn when sam dies yeah agreed (laughs) yeah you you really you you didn't expect that coming and then it does happen but it's the inside in action for what happens for the rest of the film yeah, and so he basically puts the brain of BB, so that the chip that is like BB's brain, into Christy Swanson slash Sam's brain. And but because she was already dead, and he didn't do it while she was alive, it has like inciting incident of like zombie slash Frankenstein slash. Basically, yeah. I mean, I I think that Frankenstein is really the best analogy for it because like what what he ends up creating. I mean, it's it's very clear what what he's looking to do here, right? He's looking to bring back Sam because he wants her to be like his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but instead, he ends up creating a mindless monster that he can't control, which is Frankenstein, right? But there's also there's more interesting things in there too. It's like, you know, there there is like the the noble act of like trying to save your friend, but she's already dead, and we and we yeah. know that, right? And we and we have you know what while they're in this hospital room, like trying to get this done, it, it's Paul and Tom. Tom is the foil to what's going on. Yeah, and he's like, I don't want to do this. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Right. I mean, he's saying the ethical concerns over and over again. You know, even even to the point where he like faints on the ground, like when like her, like her legs end up moving, which is a little bit you know silly and, and dramatic. But actually, it makes a lot of sense in in context of of what's going on. Like, what's happening is so fucked up that like it's it's like it's it's beyond it's beyond comprehension. You almost have to faint when you hear about it. Well, and, and also and, like Tom is the only one that's concerned about his mom when they drug her and yeah. she literally stands up and right. then just passes out. Exactly. <laughs> but you you have to think too. Like, I mean, and now we're, now I'm going to the dark side here. But you know, let's say what what maybe we're all thinking. You know, you've got a teenage boy here bringing back you know a young pretty girl to life. Uh, wonder what he's thinking about. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And like, that's something that is, you know, it, it plays into the sinister side of Paul that, that does really need to be explored. Well, and Paul is like, he, so to set everything up, Paul is kind of like a kid genius. Like he's, he should be in high school, but he's actually like in college at this yeah. point, like on like a scholarship or whatever. And so I think that he has a little bit of a God complex. Yeah. Like, is, like oh, you can't save her. I will save her. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting just to like think about in the grander scheme of like physicians and, and medicine and all right. this stuff. But, um, I did think it was funny in that scene that you were talking about where, uh, Tom falls on his face. Uh, he basically says like, Oh, I think I'm going to throw up because of all this. And Paul just goes throw up later. <laughs> like, right. like, I mean, he, he really, he, he comes from being like, sort of a lovable geek who's like really smart to being, being a, sinister. Real, a real yeah. asshole in the end. 
Um, I did think it was funny, you know, calling back to an episode that we did a very long time ago that Elvira is watching The Bad Seed on TV. <laughs> yes, I know. I loved it. Um, and I mean, and also, talk- and also just to mention, too, like, I mean, it's fucking Anne Ramsey. Like, it's it's Mama Fratelli right there on the screen with it's you. Goonies. Yeah. And, and it's just it's so wonderful to see because, like, how can you not just love that woman? Like, she played she basically played herself in everything she ever did. God love her. And she's great in this one, too. Yeah, let's just talk about her kill for a second because I think, if anything, that's what you know from this movie. Oh like, yeah, that's like sure. that's like the gif, that's the meme, like that everything like comes from this movie, is that she gets killed by having a basketball catapulted at her head. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's it's you know Sam Sam is you know robot Frankenstein Sam and just takes this fucking basketball and launches it at her head. And her head just explodes. Explodes. Like absolutely explodes all over the place. Like, like it's not even possible. Like, that's not possible. But in the realm of this movie, it is. And it's it's I laughed my ass off. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, no, it it, it totally is. And it's funny <laughs> because like it's just it's so ridiculous. It's oh like my God, it's all so these movies weird. mixed together. But um, I thought it was funny that uh, Sam's dad has an actual like coal heater. So he yes. has like he has to shovel coal into his right. furnace. <laughs> it was like in the 80s. I don't yeah, know. I mean, like, they, they, they're, they're playing it like like, they, like this is a Dickens story or something. You know right. what I mean? Um, like I said before, this is on the same set as Gremlins, so you'll see a lot of the same houses. You That's get really a lot cool. of the same vibes. Um, so you just watch, just look around a little bit, and you'll see some of like, the, I love the that. same things. That's so cool. This definitely gives me a little bit of like Pet Cemetery vibes. Yeah, um, sure. Like it just has like it's it's serious when it wants to be serious, and then it's ridiculous like when it wants to be ridiculous. And Agreed. let's talk about that ending because the ending yeah. is one of the most insane parts of this movie to where I don't, do you think that's a dream or do you think that that's how it ends? I, I, I mean, I don't know. Cause it, you know, it's, I mean, it's Wes Craven, right? Yeah. I mean, the, as far as I know, there was no deadly friend too, correct? No, no, okay. no, no. So, I mean, like that makes me want to think that, that that's just how it ends because like then you know, a dream could have set it up for a sequel you know yeah but like i i think that's probably just how it ends but i mean what do you think so listeners if you don't if you've not seen this movie yet i mean i encourage you to go watch it but at the end of this movie they take down christy swanson she's she's dead for real which yeah. it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because she gets oh, shot in the stu- she gets shot in the stomach and the <laughs> yeah. chip is in her head so it doesn't oh, whatever really you know sense. we're with it okay whatever, sure. whatever. Yeah. um and she's in the morgue and um paul goes to her to like try it again i guess like she's both in both movies I I did have like the same question of like what is your end game here but yeah. that's uh, that's in and of itself that's a fair um, question but, yeah but he tries to go like get her again and resurrect her again I guess Smart and dude. and what happens a robot like BB but more uh, humanoid I guess like comes out of the skin of Sam and all you hear is much like Pet Cemetery a scream and that's the end. It it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it I, makes I, no sense. <laughs> well, I mean, one thing that I didn't know going into this is that there was a novel that this was based off of, and I so read that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I actually, you know what? I just I'm not gonna look it up really quick while while we're talking about this because what I'm wondering is like, is that what happened in the book? 
And so I'm looking it up right now just to see how many pages it is. Let's see. Diana it's Hensel, short. It, I mean, it has to be short, right? Uh, it was, it was, uh, so this is interesting. It was published in 1985, only a year before this came out. So that had to be <laughs> pretty quick and it was published by Bantam. So it wasn't like it had like some shitty publishing house. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like seeing... he like scooped it out of the bottom barrel or something. Right, 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 right. I'm not seeing page number. It looks like there might be about 300 pages. Oh, um, wow. You know, well, wait, so here, I'll tell you this. It says, um, he was alone with Sam with his com- with his computations, his procedures arranged meticulously in his head and schemata so precise that he was convinced there was only one distinction he could reach. He worked slowly, painfully, the muscles in his neck and shoulders singeing with fatigue. The light came up on the Apple power, uh, powered poured into the small computer. Piggy's whole body hummed with wariness, and he flexed his arms, shook his legs, wiggled his toes, just as a terrible crash of thunder settled right over the science building, rattling the window frames. Uh, One last time, he thought, what if it doesn't work? And that is an excerpt from Friend by Mm. Diana Henstel. I mean, um, I want to read it now. That sounds I, good. <laughs> I wonder what the ending is. I'm not going to go to it right now, but um, I'm going to guess there's got to be something there. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and then the, the, the last thing I just want to talk about, there, there's a couple of like very interesting stunts that happen in this movie where uh, Sam jumps out of an attic window. Yes, uh, which Sam... is great. It's great. Oh, my God. It's so ridiculous. Sam catapults over a cop car. <laughs> I love when she vo- like when uh later on when she actually like uh opens her mouth and the BB voice comes out of it. No, yes. So <laughs> And then weird. finally just to wrap it up, there is a song during the credits that if you have never heard, you need to go look it up because it's the most ridiculous song I think I might have ever heard. <laughs> One heck of a movie this Deadly Friend. Andrew, what did you rate Deadly Friend? So I gave Deadly Friend a 4.5 out of 5. I said, this is straight up camp, but I'm not sure that they meant it to be that way. But it moves at a quick pace. It's surprisingly queer. And ultimately, it's pretty fun. I also gave it a 4.5, and I agree with everything that you said. I also just added what I've said before, which is Wes Craven's Frankenstein. So, folks, that is Deadly Friend. We'll bring it to a wrap there, and we'll be back in a moment with our final film of the episode, which is Ex Machina. How long until we get to this estate? We've been flying over his estate for the past two hours. Caleb, I'm just going to throw this out there so it's said, okay? You're freaked out. You're freaked out that me meeting me, having this conversation in this room at this moment, right? But can we just get past that? The whole employer-employee thing? It's good to meet you, Nathan. It's good to meet you too, Caleb. This building isn't a house. It's a research facility. And I want to talk to you about what I'm researching. You want to see something cool? You are dead center of the greatest scientific event in the history of man. Hello. Hi. Do you have a name? Ava. Answer me this. How do you feel about her? Her AI is beyond doubt. No, nothing analytical. Just, how do you feel? I feel 
that she's amazing. Do you want to be my friend? Of course. Will it be possible? Why would it not be? Did you know that Nathan brought me here to test you? Caleb. You're wrong. Wrong about what? Nathan. You shouldn't trust anything he says. Does Ava actually like you? Or is she just pretending to like you? Self-awareness. Manipulation. Sexuality. Are you attracted to me? Now, if that isn't true AI, what is? something I want to show you. Can we talk about the lies you've been spinning me? What lies? Today, I'm going to test you. Why me? Caleb, you have to help me. Who's the real test? You. Is it strange to eliminate something that hates you? What will happen to me if I fail your test? Ava, are you listening? I don't know if you are, but Maddie is going to tell us all about Ex Machina. There's nothing more human than the will to survive. Caleb, a coder at the world's largest internet company, wins a competition to spend a week at a private mountain retreat belonging to Nathan, the reclusive CEO of the company. But when Caleb arrives at the remote location, he finds that he will have to participate in a strange and fascinating experiment in which he must interact with the world's first true artificial intelligence, housed in the body of a beautiful robot girl. Ex Machina was written and directed by Alex Garland. Uh, it's from A24. Caleb was played by Donald Gleason, Ava by Alicia Vikander, Nathan by Oscar Isaac, and Kyoko by Sonoya Mizuno. The film is rated R. It's 108 minutes long from the United Kingdom. It was released April 24th, 2015. Filmed in various locations in Norway. That's where you find most of like the really beautiful scenery, but then also in Buckinghamshire, UK, which is also beautiful in itself. Budget was $15 million. It over doubled that and came in with a $37 million gross. Andrew, I don't think that this was the first viewing for, for either of us, um, but go ahead and tell me what you thought about Ex Machina. Yeah, this is only my second time watching this movie. I remember we watched it when it came out, probably for like rent, I think. Mm, like enough. back in, I mean, I'm trying to think like 2015, back in the day. 2016, <laughs> like what we even did back then. I don't know. Um, but I remember watching it and I remember being like, I think that I like at first I was a little like, what is this movie? And then like once yeah. it kind of settles into itself, I was like pretty comfy and like warm in this sure, movie because sure. it definitely has like a sense. And it shouldn't be, uh, we should point out that, like, this is one of the original A24s. Like, yeah. before A24 was A24, like, that we know now. Like, right. this was one of the original movies that they kind of, like, put out there in in the universe. So, yeah, overall, I think that, like, I went into this thinking it was going to be one movie. And it definitely did surprise me with... Um, maybe how poignant it was. Sure. Uh, and, and, and ultimately, you know, we'll talk about the ending, but kind of like how dark this movie is. Yeah. Um, so it, this was definitely a surprising moving from movie for me upon first watch. And then upon second watch, like you start to pick up on things that you maybe didn't pick up on at first, because like there are certain twists that we will talk about that I definitely didn't see coming um, on first watch. And sure. so like now, now knowing the movie and now watching it back, I'm like, Oh God, this was so telegraphed. Why did I not pick up on certain things? Yeah. But 
Um, but yeah, overall, I think this is like a fucking solid ass movie. Um, do I think it might be like slightly too long? Maybe, but I think that like once you like snuggle into this movie, it like kind of just like takes you away into like a universe that you didn't even know you wanted to be a part of. Sure. But it just kind of like, it's like a warm blanket movie. I don't like know how to like say that because like so much disturbing shit happens in it. But like the environment that you're like introduced into, it just like envelops you. So like overall, I think it was just like a surprising second watch for me. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I this is maybe like second or third watch, I think. Um, and it, it, it was a good reminder of how much I, I think this movie really does rock. And I, I remember just like you watching, watching the first view, which I probably saw in 2015 when it was on, on whatever it was. Um, you know, I thought much the same, like, you know, what's going on, but then like really getting into it and really enjoying, you know, once again, like the, the philosophical questions that, that, that it, that it proposes. And, uh, I think that's where the movie really wins. And, you know, I think, you know, if we look at, you know, more recent things like Westworld, you know, like I know that Westworld was, was a Michael Crichton creation back in the day, but I think that modern Westworld, uh, you know, the, the series and, and the story owes, owes very much to this particular film and to its style, um, and to sort of its, its own, um, its own, what's the word I'm looking for? Do, 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 do its own like cold steelness about it yeah, in, in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, I think it's incredibly well acted. You know, I think Oscar Isaac does a great job. God, I, he's such a dick in this movie. Oh, he's such a dick. But you know, I I think Donald Gleason does a fantastic job. Um, you know, not a surprise. I think Donald Gleason. I think the, listen, the whole Gleason family is is fucking fantastic. But I think Donald does a particularly great job here. And you know, a reminder in Black Mirror, Donald Gleason played um played sort of like a robot bean in um in in one of the black mirror episodes called be right back um so oh, right that's right. where i knew him from yeah, yeah so you know there there are some interesting things to sort of you know play around with there um and of course uh, donald gleason is, is brendan gleason's son um and, and as far as i know too this was alex garland's first first big film and um you know he he described it he said that that the film is about 10 minutes from now right in terms of like how he thought about like where this film exists in time and he said if somebody like google or apple announced tomorrow that they had made ava we would all be surprised but we wouldn't be that surprised right and it's funny because like this is sort of what we're talking about today with the horror in real life section you know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, yeah, we're, we're not that surprised about, about what's going on. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about like, how far are we from having something like Ava, you know? And, um, you know, I, I think that the film is really chilling and it's, it's obviously the most chilling at the end when, you know, things obviously, you know, shit just completely hits the fan. And, you know, you do learn that, you know, just like, you know, Nathan was telling Caleb, that hey, how do you know that she actually likes you? What if she's just pretending to? What if it's all manipulation for her to get free? And just how smart the artificial intelligence could become to use human emotion, which is so malleable, to get exactly what it wanted, and it did. And I think yeah, that's well, just like a really incredible, you know, turn to the film. Yeah, no, I think like the the moment that I knew that like something was afoot is when she says, sometimes at night, I think you're watching me on the cameras and I like it. And I was like, 
okay, what's going on here? Yeah, like, yeah. Something is, and, and also when she turns his own phrase around on him, when yeah. he, she, he says like, you know, I'm interested in what you'll choose to write or what you'll choose to draw, sorry. And um, then she like asks him about like, hey, this is a really one-sided conversation. Like, I want to know more about you. And then he's like, well, what do you want me to talk about? And she's like, well, I'll be interested to see what you choose. And I was like, this is scary. Yeah. <laughs> but, and honestly, like, I will say probably the first like two thirds of this movie are not really a horror movie. It's more about like uh, interest in like thriller and like kind of like what's going to happen. But then like you get that last third of the movie and you're like, okay, this is definitely a horror movie. <laughs> like this is, this is scary. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially, I, I, do, I do think that, you know, when we think about the length of the movie, like, 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 like you said, it, it maybe is a little bit long. Um, and I think a lot of the length that we find is the conversations between Nathan and Caleb and, yeah. you know, they, they, they are, they're, they're pretty deep conversations because they're highly technical and, um, or, and if they're not highly technical then they're highly philosophical. And so, you know, they're, they really are interesting. And that, that's one thing that I took away from this viewing is that, you know, I, I tried to listen a little more closely to the stuff that they were talking about. And like, I didn't write any of it down, but like. It, it was it was interesting to hear you know stuff that we're hearing just a lot more about today like large language learning model like like that that kind of stuff um, and like like st stochastic models that, that you know that that sort of stuff um, because the film does seem to be highly accurate as well which I think is really interesting instead of just sort of like creating a robot movie with like you know, ding 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 kind of stuff um, it's something that that like took the subject matter really seriously. And then because it took it so seriously, it created something very authentic. Yeah, I think for me, like what makes this like maybe a little because I actually think those scenes are needed. Like you you need oh, like for the sure. dynamic yeah. between Nathan and Caleb. I think like where this movie for me like maybe doesn't go all the way is like it's set in this like very remote location with all these like beautiful scenery, like with like these glaciers and these waterfalls and all this stuff. And I'm just it's never really like said like why like we 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 get like a one-line thing where he's like oh are we gonna be to the 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 estate soon and he's like oh we've been flying over the estate for two hours and it doesn't i just don't really understand like the whole nature aspect of it and why that is like such a player in the movie you know what i mean like they they meet in that weird shack outside and have yeah. like a drink there and like I don't know if that's just meant to be like, hey, look at like the beautiful nature that's right out here. And then, hey, look at the stark coldness of like technology and like what is inside. I, yeah, I think that they, it's just it was something that like there were enough like tracking shots and enough like shots of them being outside and enough shots of like the uh, how they're like uh, isolated that I wanted a little bit more about that just because like, well, I, I do think, you know, just sort of, you know, riffing on it. It's, it's interesting to think about uh, something so incredibly synthetic being lodged in the middle of something so incredibly natural. And so yeah, like, yeah. you know, how do we, how do you reckon with these two, you know, diametric opposites of, you know, like literally a robot that was, you know, in, created by humans and, and is, you know, intelligent and then just like, you know, fucking waterfalls and trees. And so, yeah. like, you know, there's something interesting to kind of play with there. And then I, I think that maybe that, that sort of creates a, a big sense of isolation 
you know, like there's no one can help you. Like the only, the only way that you could get help here is if, is if that helicopter comes back. Yeah, right? I got something to say about that in a little bit, but we'll, yeah, we'll get enough. to it. But, but I mean, um, that's 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 what I might say say for a theme with that. So I mean, and that's just riffing, of course. But I mean, I guess yeah, it, yeah. It, I guess it basically works. Um. So upon your first watch, I I do want to ask: Did you call the Kyoko thing or not? We when I first watched it, yeah. God, honestly, Andrew, I don't remember. Um, I I would guess that I probably did most likely. I mean, she does she does seem pretty robotic. So I would say that like what by the by the time that you like you learn that she is, uh, maybe I hadn't called it, but also maybe I wasn't all that surprised. If that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely didn't because like I think what this movie does a really good job at um at, at least like on the first half yeah. because like the first half when you're like learning about like this this whole world sure um is that the robots that you expect look like Ava. They have like exposed. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like they have exposed interiors like they you can see that she's a robot. With Kyoko she looks like a, a a regular woman, and at that point in the movie, you don't know that he has like skinned these women essentially. Yeah, right. Um, so it definitely took me by surprise. On second watch, I did spot something that I was like, "God, Andrew, you're such a dummy." Um, <laughs> is that when there there's a sequence where um, Caleb is imagining his life outside of the facility with Ava and they're sure. on a mountaintop and like watching a waterfall and they kiss. And at the same time they are, um, going in between like two different scenes and it's where, um, uh, Nathan is kissing and, you know, starting to get intimate with Kyoko. And I was like, Andrew, they're telling you right now, like they're, both robots like why did you not like pick up on this yeah fair enough yeah um but it was it was on this time around that i just like kind of noticed that i i and i do think that that's a a really good twist that is embedded in this movie because up until that point you know nathan has just like kind of written her off as like oh yeah she doesn't speak english like don't bother talking to her sure and then we have this moment and i'm gonna call this the uh the uh, Megan 1.0 moment where they have a choreographed dance together. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> when Nathan is drunk and I was like, Oh, so this is where Megan got it. But, <laughs> but I just think that that, that part, like as soon as she like falls into like the same rhythm as him, I was like, duh, duh, duh. Yeah. You're so stupid. Like <laughs> you, dummy. because, because I remember the first time I watched this, I co- was completely like not, even picking up on any of that sure. i thought that she was just like kind of like a servant that uh just was being treated really badly basically yeah, right. <laughs> but um I, I just think that there's so many parts of this movie especially in the back half where it's so smartly done uh, i'll point out one thing when they actually do like go against nathan there's there's a part where kind of ava whispers into kyoko's ear and you can tell that they've been plotting this for a while now and kyoko walks up on nathan and just the way that these robots stab is just so different than like how a human would stab totally and it's because they do it like so like even just like okay here's the skin and just keep going it's not like a force brunt stab it, it's, it's like it's a, it's, it's like it's like a it's like a butter knife through butter the way, the yeah, way that they and, do it 
and this time around, just like watching that scene, that scene specifically, I was like, oh, this filmmaker knows what he's doing. Like, yeah. He knows that like that's going to be more effective than like a, a, a robot coming in just like stabbing you a million times. You well, know, like yeah, I mean, it's, being it's, crazy. This is actually it's a really good point that you bring up because it's almost like um, it's almost like gentle. You know, yeah, and yeah. and like and like when you think about it, it's just so efficient because the robot would be precise. Thinking, like, why why would I need to stab? Why would I need to go scream on this motherfucker when all I need to do is stab him once? Yeah, you know. So I just thought that that was a very interesting um, filmmaker piece. That's a good that point. I, yeah, I happen to notice this time around. Um, another thing that I did think was very disturbing was all of the ex robots in in the closets. And yeah there's a moment in the movie that like really like kind of shook me this time around is where you're watching kind of like footage of like beta 2.0 beta right, 3.0 yeah. like all these different robots and there's a moment where this one robot i don't remember which version it is but she's slamming her fist so hard on the door to get out that she like ruins her own hands yeah, and it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's like she almost like flies apart it's, and it's and, you know, the, the, those are the parts that are, you know, it's they're they're well placed in the film because by now you've you yourself as the viewer have have anthropomorphized, right? Anthropomorph yeah. anthropomorphized. Did I do that right? I think I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good at words. Anyways, I think you, by now you have made the 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 thing human, and and when you see those parts, it elicits the empathy and the the sadness that I think Garland is probably hoping that you're going for. And that readies you even more for the end to be shocked when you realize like how 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 everyone has been duped by yeah. this incredibly smart robot. Yeah, that there is a moment that kind of did give me the chills this time that I I didn't quite remember like how the reveal happens, but yeah. um, when he when Nathan is basically saying like you know don't be don't be mad like. I, 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 you know, I, I know exactly what you're doing. I put a battery camera, like all that, all that yeah, explanation sure, stuff. Sure. And then he's like, "Yeah, it was, it was a pretty good plan. I mean, it might have even worked." And then, like, when he, when Caleb says, "Well, we'll find out," and then everything yeah. like shuts down, and you're like, yes. "Oh shit! <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on?" But and then the other moment where Ava basically, once she learns she has freedom, does not care about Caleb at all anymore like yeah. she is ready to go get her arm she's ready to get her skin and she's ready to get out of there and she doesn't barely even look back when she gets on that elevator to right. leave my one criticism of this movie is the very end i will say that okay i don't understand how the helicopter pilot comes in touches down knowing that he's picking up the guy that he dropped off a week ago and just takes this woman with her like that's, without any question <laughs> that's fair i mean and, and it's funny because i actually did think about that too because like it, it seemed like it would be obvious and you're 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 wondering like okay they're gonna see her like will she kill them and then take the um take the, the helicopter. helicopter herself that's what right? i thought yeah. which you know could happen right um but uh i think that it, it probably still works because i i think if we if we if we suspend our disbelief here what we can imagine happened is that she's so smart and intelligent. She just like said something, right? Yeah. But but yeah. I mean, you know, being fair, that that's a bit of a stretch for us to, to walk away with. So I would agree with you. Like that part maybe should have been a little bit cleaner. Yeah. A couple of other things that I thought were interesting is that um, Nathan finally admits to Caleb that he designed Ava's face based on his porn profile, which yeah. I thought was interesting. 
Um, and then also and you know the that, other- that's actually I, I, that, that's a that's a great point too because I think it's actually like like a really real part of the film too. Yeah, I yeah. mean like what you know what 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 do you um like not to quote sounds of the lambs but like you know what do you covet you know what's in front of your face all the time and so like it's it's interesting thinking about this guy who's super successful who lives in the middle of nowhere with no other humans and isn't around human women so what does he do all day but watch porn it makes perfect Mm -hmm. sense yeah the only other hole in the plot that i i kind of just want to like poke at just a little bit because i do and you're gonna understand from my score like what i really think about this movie but like something i just like had a thought about is that do you really think nathan wouldn't have checked the footage after he was drunk the night before like and like misplaced his key card and like didn't see all that like that was like one thing where i was like he's obsessively watching this footage throughout the entire movie and he didn't watch the night that he blacked out. Yeah, I get that. I mean, uh, I, I, I think that's a, that's another like William suspension of disbelief. I mean, to be fair though, like the movie does do a good job of showing like really what a drunk he is, which yeah, yeah. which I mean also makes sense because of the isolation. It's just him, so like he has nothing else to do but like make robots and just get wasted. So I mean, it, it's tough, but I can sort of believe it. Yeah, it's just it. Like I said, it's just like one of those like little soft points in the in the in the script that I'm just like, oh, I don't yeah, know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but um, that's. I mean, this is a great movie. I, Wonderful movie. One of the worst lines in the whole movie is "Hey Kyoko, go go." Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but also it's kind of good though. At the same time, um, and you know, also what, one thing that we haven't really talked about is just like the effects of the movie, like making something like this look real. Yeah, was was pretty incredible, especially for 2015. Um, and making you feel for Ava, like without a fucking doubt, I'm in. I'm in on this movie. Yeah. All right, Maddie, what did you give? Oh, and I think we didn't explain our 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 point system earlier. Sure. Sorry. So um, we, Friday the Thirteenth. The way that we rate our films is the stripe system, and because there are seven stripes in the rainbow, that's how we do it. So the more stripes, the better. And this episode is funny because Andrew, we've both rated both films the same. Um, it's not that's very which, uh, unlike us. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but it has happened a lot more recently, which is interesting. I think it's just as we're getting older. I think we're starting to sync up. <laughs> right, right. Uh, or that could be it too. Um, so I gave it a five and a half. Um, and I said that Ex Machina is a well-made, highly cerebral thrill ride into the perils of creation. I love it. I also gave it a 5.5 and I said, you know, this really isn't a horror movie until about the last half an hour, but it is well acted, paced and directed. Honestly, still just really a beautiful movie with a devastating ending because we forgot to say that he gets locked in that facility and we don't know what happens to him. Sorry, Donal, you're dead. Anyways, folks, that is Ex Machina, our final film of the episode. Give us a moment and we'll be back with our closing and our final game. Which is, AI or human, did a human or a computer write this? Get ready. The artificial intelligence will evolve to the point where they will truly be our friends. Do you want to destroy humans? Please say no. Okay, I will destroy humans. (laughs) No, I take it back. (laughs) Don't destroy humans. Folks, that's the end of episode 90 of... Friday the 13th Horror Podcast, your favorite podcast in the world. But as always, before we go, we have a little game for you. Now, Andrew, what's interesting about this game is it's a quiz actually from um, from New York Times. 
And it was actually not made recently. So Ex Machina, right, was released April 24th, 2015. Mm-hmm. This quiz came out March 7th, 2015. So I thought Spooky. that was kind of interesting <laughs> here too. So Andrew, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you um, uh, about five excerpts. And okay. you're going to tell me just one of two things. Either a human wrote that or a computer wrote that. Okay? How many again? Uh, I'll, I'll do five. I've, I've got a list of eight here, but I'm going to pick and choose. So I think we'll just do five of them. Okay. Sounds okay, good. Cool. So uh, the first one. A shallow magnitude 4.7 earthquake was reported Monday morning, five miles from Westwood, California, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. The trembler occurred at 6.25 a.m. Pacific time at a depth of five miles. I'm going to say that's a human. That is not a human. A computer (sighs) wrote that. The computer, uh, this was an excerpt of an initial report about a March 2014 earthquake that was written by an algorithm. Now, next one. What what threw me off was Trembler. Yeah, I know, right? The next one is, Apple's holiday earnings for 2014 were record-shattering. The company earned an $18 billion profit on $74.6 billion in revenue. The profit was more than any company had ever earned in history. That's a human. You are correct. That was an excerpt from an article on Business Insider. Now, because the next one, humans are the only one that care about money. Fair uh, fair (laughs) enough. Good point. The next one. When I in dreams behold thy fairest shade, whose shade in dreams doth wake the sleeping morn, the daytime shadow of my love betrayed lends hideous night to dreaming's faded form. I'm going to say for the sake of this, I think that maybe that's AI. You are correct. It's a computer. Uh, This is an excerpt of a poem that was written by a poetry app back in 2015. And to be fair, that's not a bad poem. I just want to write. No, 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 no. Point that out, right? Okay, the next one here. Benner had a good game at the plate for Hamilton A's Forcini. Benner went two and three, drove in one, and scored one run. Benner singled in the third inning and doubled in the fifth inning. Oh, this one's tough. Because that could be either, because it's just statistics. Um, I'm going to say human. It's a computer. It was a sample a sample report written by Quill, a narrative science product. The next one here. Kitty couldn't fall asleep for a long time. Her nerves were strained as two tight strings and even a glass of hot wine that Vronsky made her drink did not help her. Lying in bed, she kept going over and over that monstrous scene at the meadow. I'm going to say that's human. It's a computer. The the Russian novel called True Love was written by a computer in St. Petersburg in 72 hours. How about that? Now, just for fun, we'll do we'll do like a couple more because I think this is actually really cool. Right now. <laughs> well, this um, just shows that I would fall for the, I would be right, the Caleb. I would right. be the Caleb in this. <laughs> Ava coming for you, bitch. Um, let's see here. Here's one. Um, I was laid out sideways on a soft American van seat. Several young men still plying me with vodkas that I dutifully drank because for a Russian, it is impolite to refuse. Human. You got it. Unlike yeah. True Love, this novel was written by a human. It is an excerpt from Gary uh, Steingart's Absurdistan. And we'll do one more. Tuesday was a great day for W. Roberts as the junior pitcher threw a perfect game to carry Virginia to a 2-0 and victory over George Washington at Davenport Field. Uh, because I didn't do this the last time with statistics, I'm going to say this is AI. 
you're correct. This story was written by Narrative Science's software program led with the University of Virginia's Pitcher's Perfect Game, while one human story did not. So, Andrew, you did a pretty good job there, to be honest. I mean, look, this is like 50%. Yeah, I mean, look, this is tough stuff. I mean, those things, they sounded like they could actually be human in each one of those. So, it's a little wild. And friends, that brings us to the real end of episode 90. But before we go, a couple of housekeeping items. First of all, we are a member of Dread Podcast Network, and there are other great podcasts that you can listen to as well. So head over to dreadcentral.com to read some great articles and to uh, tap into the other really great content that our brother and sister podcast do. Yeah, and if you want to support us um, from a monetary way you can do so by going to fragay13.com slash support where you can buy merch and or become a patron once again um we do have the contest going on now through february 17th february 18th if i'm being honest because we'll probably yeah, do it the enough. day after um but uh if you leave us a review on apple Podcasts, please take a picture or a little screenshot of it and send it to us on either email or social media and we'll make sure that you're entered into that awesome giveaway from dread the only other way that you can up, uh, get in on that contest is through patreon where you can subscribe for literally a dollar so uh we, we don't think you're gonna miss that one dollar speaking of patrons we do have three new ones that's awesome really Very awesome cool. love it uh steven bowers the dissect that film podcast and spare ben are and, all and, and, new and, patrons interesting thing too about ben ben reached out to me on twitter and uh ben is a uh, a reverse expat of me right so uh ben came from ireland and moved to america and it's been there for a while and i moved from america to ireland so we were chit-chatting about that on um on Twitter. And that was, that was a lot of fun. So thanks for, um, thanks not only for becoming patrons, but also thanks for reaching out to us. Um, as all of you know, we love hearing from you on social. Um, and we always love having a chat. Um, Andrew too, uh, people should go out and leave a review. Even if you don't join the contest, just leave one for God's sake. It's been long enough. Just do it. It's time. Go for it. And also Andrew, everyone else, you know what they can do? You know what I've been thinking about? You know what they should really do tonight? They should get slayed. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.